Welcome back to the Leverage Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nick Sonnenberg. And I'm your other co-host, Ari Mizell. And today, our special guest is Victoria Labong. I love saying that. Uh, Victoria is the founder of Rock the Room and Risk Forward. She's a performing artist and a performance coach. And you've seen her on the TED stage. And she is one of the most engaging speakers I've ever seen take the stage. She's an incredible coach. And uh, we're honored to have you today. So thank you, Victoria. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So Victoria, maybe you can explain a little bit about what you do. I mean, I'm starting to learn more myself because I've personally signed up for the Rock the Room, but maybe we can just start by going over like, what is Rock the Room? What are all the, the things that you specialize in and cover? Well, my favorite thing to do is really help people express their hidden genius. I think we all have messages in our lives that we're not expressing whether that's on stage or on video, in a workshop, or really in life. So that's really what I do, is help people express their hidden genius in all those mediums, on stage, workshops, video, life meetings. And eventually one might call it presentation skills coaching, but I think it goes far beyond that because it's executives, entrepreneurs, authors, Hollywood directors, anyone who is a message you want to get out into the world. Is there a formula or like some type of system that you bring your, your clients through? Yes. Yeah, so Rock the Room is a proprietary system I've developed over these years to allow people to formulate and clarify their message because many people are still defining that. And that's the first of the five modules. The second is we look at the content and all the different ideas and stories and analogies and images they might use to express that message. The third step is we look at the structure, how best to frame and structure that presentation, whether it's for a, a seven-minute launch video or a 20-minute talk or a, a two-day workshop. Then we look at all the preparatory elements, the prep that goes into really making sure that you show up and there's no stress and you can rock the room. And the final part, part five, is the delivery. And that's everything from your voice to the use of the space to your gestures and your eye contact. So it's through line is this first step, content, structure, prep, and delivery. Do you have like a sort of a magic percentage in your mind of, you know, how much the content matters or is the presentation, can the presentation make up for bad content? I would, I would guess not, but you know, like what, is there a balance there? Well, it's a great question because a lot of people have this misconception that presentation skills is really about the delivery portion, the, the gestures, the eye contact and, you know, pacing and rhythm. But ultimately, it's think of it like a three-legged stool. You can have great delivery and charisma and presence on stage, but if you have poor content, you know, you, you have all that showmanship, but nothing to say. Or if you have great content, but you can't deliver it with charisma and connection it'll fall flat. And so you need really the structure, the content and the delivery to rock the room. What I really love about your concept that you teach in your modules, which I've only done the first one so far of the pre-course material, but you have this concept of a through line and it's extremely logical. And, you know, it just, it's nice to be reminded that there is this underlying message that you're trying to deliver in a presentation. It's not just you're doing a presentation for the sake of doing a presentation but there is an underlying message that you're trying to convey and having that, you know, come through with every aspect of your talk is really, I mean, at least in module one, that's, that's the whole point of what you're trying to teach to, to your students. And it really is logical and makes sense. But I think that it's easy to, to lose track of that through line, so to speak, or that underlying message. So it's just been nice to 
be reminded, you know, there is an underlying message and stay focused on what that is. I love that you brought that up, Nick. And it is really the place to begin. Like you noted, it's the first module because oftentimes we get an opportunity to speak or to present or film a video and we just go right to the content and we get to step back and say, what is that underlying message? And what is driving this whole opportunity to present? And in the end of it all, what am I really in the business of? And by that, I mean, you know, if people are in technology, is it really about the wires and the widgets or is it about connecting humanity? If people are in healthcare, is it really about which seven foods you shouldn't eat or how to lose the extra weight? Or is it really about living your best life? And so if we get to that underlying message, as you put it, and we start from there, as we construct the rest of our presentation, it's profoundly um, effective because it takes it from just transactional, not only to transformational, but really to transcendent because the audience, whether that's one or one million, hearing us or witnessing it in a room recognizes that we're operating on a whole different level. If somebody is a particular kind of speaker, are, you know, are they still able to sort of be a chameleon in some ways, depending on the audience, yeah. and connect in different ways? So you were sort of alluding to that. Like, is there a situation where you want to connect to the audience, but maybe there's another situation where you really want to present with authority, you know, and like, and, and, and present a different message? Absolutely. I think there are actually two questions in what you asked, which is great. The first part is, I think to some degree, we can be a chameleon. Because we need to adapt to our audience. If I'm speaking to a sequence of CEOs, if I'm doing a sequence of CEO presentations, that's a very different type of audience than if I'm speaking to administrative assistants. Or I did an event years ago for just authors. So it's a different brain. It's a different experience. And you really want to cater your message and tailor the examples and the stories to that audience. That's the first piece of it. The second piece you touched on is really the effect we want to have, whether we want to present with more authority or um, I can't remember the word you used, but I always call that the know, do, and feel. I say, what do you want your audience to know? What do you want them to do? And how do you want them to feel both while you're presenting and while they're witnessing that and long after. So, you know, if you want them to feel a sense of community or connection, you'll approach it differently than if you wanted them to feel fear. I wouldn't advocate fear unless you're trying to devise action some positive way. But ultimately, you're thinking, how do I design an experience for the audience to achieve the outcome that I really want? Are there some common problems that you've found over the years coaching people that people have in terms of giving talks or presentations? And are there some low-hanging fruit, quick pieces of advice that you could give the listeners right now to, you know, very, very quickly improve their their next presentation by 10% or 20%? Absolutely. I'll give you a few right off the bat. And these are just two or three of a series of amazing ones. So let me give you just a couple to get you going. The first I would say is the biggest mistake that I see made in people's presentations, even if it's a sales pitch or a TED talk, a meeting, you name it, is that they focus too much on the information they want to convey and not enough on the experience they want the other people to have. And so the moment we start focusing on information, we just cram a slide or a handout or a talk with tons of bullets or, or data, and it's too much. So it's not what is everything you know, but really what does that audience need to know? And that's the question you want to ask yourself. So that's the first mistake. And the way to correct that is to really pull back and say, how do I not just jam this with information and instead create an experience? And the moment you think that way, 
from the first to the final, which is the next point I want to give, it changes your whole approach and thus the outcome for the audience. The second tip I'd love to share and let you comment on that. Sure. I'm happy to comment on that. So it's interesting that you say that because I feel that I have multiple issues, which is why I signed up for your thing for, for Rock Room. One of them though is around information, but it's not that I try to pack too much information in. It's that I want 100% accurate with the information that I speak about. Right. I'll sometimes get hung up and speak slowly and I don't, I, I could come across, or I, I fear that sometimes I come across as maybe being slow because sometimes I'll lose my words because I'm trying to find the exact right word to say. Does that make sense? I completely makes sense. And I think, you know, there are probably two categories of information that you want to make sure you have accurate. One is the content in terms of maybe you have a data point or a statistic or a story and you want to make sure you get the facts straight. And that's the kind of work that can be done in advance in so that you walk into that situation really with the materials at hand and you're not stumbling to think properly. I think what you're addressing is the second part, which is verbs that you might use. And some of that also can be prepared in advance. You know, what's the best phrasing to explain an idea so that it starts to come out more naturally? But I also think it's okay to pause. It draws the audience in and it's authentic. And if there are parts where you're going more quickly because it's material you know and you've got it slam dunk and it's prepared and you, you, you know those facts and statistics and analogies and you can rock them out without hesitation. And then that's contrasted with moments when you are thoughtful and you evaluate your wording. That's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I think it could be a great asset. Gotcha. That's, 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 that's definitely good to know. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm interested also when you're working with like a veteran speaker versus somebody who's sort of just starting out, you know, so you're, you're like taking somebody from, you know, 20% to 80% and, and then taking somebody from 95% to 99%, for example, like is other than the obvious differences there, is that like, is one more challenging than the other? I think, yeah, it, it really depends on the person. The people who do best in Rock the Room, whether they're someone going from 95 to 99 or someone beginning, is really their appetite for learning and their willingness to jump in and try new ideas and not have that kind of attitude and ego that can withhold us from learning, keep us back. So it's really about an attitude more than anything else. When I get asked to coach a CEO, maybe a senior vice president approaches me or someone in communication says, can you coach my leader? The first question I always ask, is this something that they've been assigned by you or are they really excited to learn? Because without that appetite, there won't be much growth. So everyone, I, I love working with top level speakers. I had a client on Oprah, very experienced woman, Chris Carr. I've coached JJ Virgin, Joe Polish, people who have a tremendous amount of speaking experience under their belts. And with them, it's that little adjustment or new way of thinking that they just hadn't thought of before, way to tell a story or a way to construct them presentation. So that's fun to see their eyes open and go, this is so cool. I had never, oh, I wish I'd come here years ago. And then for the beginning person, it's so exciting to hear them and watch them come alive and feel like all these ideas that have been hidden within them are finally coming out into the world and to have the fulfillment of an audience nodding and smiling and applauding and laughing and saying, this was great. I learned so much. There's nothing like it. Who in your mind is like, who do you idol in terms of speaking? Like who out there right now do you would you say like that person is the one to model how to give a talk after? And also like, what's your biggest success story in terms of someone that we might've heard about that you've coached? Well, those are good questions. I would say there are 
parts of everyone's style that I so admire. And, you know, you go to someone like Martin Luther King and you see his vision or John F. Kennedy and you see the vision behind the presentation. This goes back to your comment, Nick, about the through line. They, they saw a larger underlying message. And when you have that, everything that rides above it is, is changed. So that's the first piece. I think there are other speakers like Tony Robbins, whose animation style, his physicality, his expressiveness, his energy, I so respect. There are people in the speaking profession like Larry Wingett, who is what he calls the pit bull of personal development. And he is raw and in your face and he doesn't hold back. And he says what one would not expect someone to say. He's a little contrarian. And I admire that courage. There are masterful storytellers like Billy Crystal, who is probably my all-time favorite solo performer, who did a show called 700 Sundays. And it's a one-man show. He did uh, Broadway and then ultimately HBO filmed it. And the masterfulness, the mastery, the storytelling, the character work, and the language is brilliant. So that's how I'd answer your first question of people I, I really admire. I forgot your second question because I was so involved in that one. <laughs> Could you tell us about a story of a success story of someone that we would have heard about that you've worked with that has you know, transformed the way that they speak? Well, the, the one that comes to mind right off the bat is Chris Carr, who is a New York Times bestselling author and has been on Oprah. And she was asked to do what's called a super soul session. So it's a little like a TED talk that Oprah puts on and it's timed. You have less than 25 minutes. It's a live audience. It goes out to millions of people viewing. And so the pressure is significant. And it's how do you craft a message within that time frame? You know, you have so much to say, how do you put something into that 25 minute window? And how do you handle the pressure? And if you watch her talk, she just crushed it. She had a lot of the material already. She had a tremendous amount of performance talent, but what we put together had what I call full spectrum. And it was funny and it was heartfelt and it had stories and it had some statistics and it had a range of experiences the audience could relate to. And it's tricky because she's speaking about cancer. So how do you relate to people who might not have cancer that you want to connect with all types of, of humanity? So that was a real win. And it's been, I think, the most watched on Oprah by a long shot. Of the talks, Victoria. When you see people like them speaking, or you know, like or Billy Crystal, for example, are you able to sort of pull things from that that you can learn from for yourself? Absolutely, I'm always studying performing artists, and I, I love comedians for that reason. I love watching politicians. I like watching the art, and so I, I look at at the physicality, how he uses the stage, how he might do a character or gesture. I look at the construction of the presentation. What Nick and I were talking about earlier, the underlying message behind it, what I call the through line. And there's always something to learn, even from a bad presentation. When someone, a beginning speaker, someone, even a professional speaker who, who's faltering in some fashion, I love to watch and learn from that because I have great empathy. We all make these mistakes and it's how can I learn from that and avoid that for myself and for my Rock the Room members. Well, I'll also say that you, I mean, you're a helpful advice for me, actually, the first time that we met at Genius Network. Um, and the main thing that you had told me was that I was basically like asking for permission with a lot of things I was saying. I was saying just and things like that, um, which it was, I guess that was, that's a good example of one of those small tweaks that, at least for me, made a very big difference. 
Yeah, Ari, I think with you, you had at the time, you had what I call qualifiers. Yeah, right. So there were things like sort of and kind of and just and only and a lot of pulling back. And, and when we talked afterwards, and I, I probably should ask your permission here to you have share more. I have your permission. Awesome. Okay, listeners, here we go. So it was interesting because I watched Ari give a 10-minute talk at Genius Network. So that's under 10 minutes, which is challenging to have such a short timeline. And there was a ton of information crammed in. So the mistake of too much information and not enough experience. But at the same time, there was that only and just, I'm sorry, and I'll go quickly, and I hope that's okay, and a lot of pulling back. So when he and I talked about it afterwards, I called him on that, and I said, you know, Ari, it sounds like you're trying to put a lot in, but you're also feeling apologetic. And he said, this is exactly what I was feeling. I wanted to give them as much as I felt I could have. I just wanted to give them everything, but I felt badly about that, and I felt it might be too geeky. So imagine what that would look like as a through line. The through line is give them as much as I can, but apologize along the way. So it's like driving down the highway, but then backpedaling and brakes. And it's a very awkward feeling for an audience. Now, if we were to work on that together, it might be, hmm, what would be the key elements that I could really fit in to a nine-minute window? Because we don't want to plan 10 minutes for 10 because it squishes us. It's too stressful. We just plan a little less. So nine minutes for a 10-minute slot. What could I put into nine minutes that would give the audience enough? Not exactly, I said earlier, what everyone needs to know. What's everything they sorry, what everything I could share, but rather, what is it they need to know? And when you come from that place, it relaxes you, it relaxes the audience, and people really can take more away. And I think you saw me speak, right, Victoria, at the, that salon event in New York? I did. I did. Want to rip me apart really quick? Sure. Well, here's, here's the thing. You guys are so brilliant and you have so much to offer. And I think in Ari's case, it was wanting to give everything and then apologizing for the, the geekiness or the overload. And then for you, Nick, it's, it's I, I feel your underlying element is you don't yet trust your brilliance. And you, there's sort of a quieter, apologetic, shy kind of... Um, uh, dare I say sort of an am I enough and God, I, you're so great. And I'm, you know, my personal mission here with you at Rock the Room and working with you going forward is to, to help you own that hidden genius and just stand in your power. Because what we see on the surface is sort of someone who's hiding instead of saying someone who's claiming that power as, as Mastin Kip would say, and, you know, really owning that room. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's for sure true. I think also part of of my issues, which I want to work with you on, is one, I have trouble I, like figuring out what interests me, not necessarily is what the mass market or people that we're trying to become clients might be interested in. You know, something that we do internally or that I'm working on, I think that I, I have a completely different view of what's interesting than others. So I kind of relating to, you know, the people that we want to sign up is, is a difficult part of this for me. But then also I've been told I'm monotone and don't really do hand gestures or any of that stuff. So I'm looking forward to work. Oh, and also um, the balance between what's braggy and what, what you should say for the audience to start to respect you or to take it as something where they should listen more to you. So finding that balance between, you know, do you, do you say this, even though it's, it's showing your credentials a bit, but it's also a bit braggy. So that balance is a little bit difficult for me personally. Right. Well, let's take them in backwards order for the bragginess. And that's a tricky issue for a lot of people. Part of it can be done in an introduction by someone introducing you. Part of it can be done in a story you tell. So you use 
that example, whatever that is of your bragging, you know, your credibility, let's put it that way, that is woven into a story. And that story needs to be in service of the audience. So I don't know exactly what a, an example might be, but let, let's take one right now. What would be an example of a braggingness? Let's call you out right, here, well, Nick. What would be something that will impress I don't want to brag. So let's just make up a fake example. Let's say I went to Harvard, which I didn't, right? So something like that. You know, I have trouble. Like, should I say, like, if I did go to Harvard, should I say I went to Harvard? Should I say I went to an Ivy League school? Is there a, should we create some story to talk about and like, drop Harvard in there? Is it even an important point? Um, so let's just take that as an example. Let's say you, you're working with someone that went to Harvard. Do they say it or is it situational? Well, I, I think it's a pretty interesting piece of data. It's got to be done either in introduction or in service of the message, the underlying message. So there are a lot of ways to use a piece of information like that. One could be, and this is really hard to check, a context because it, it's all hypothetical. We don't really know what the through line is and the, the situation and the material is in, in this hypothetical example. But I think it can be used in a variety of ways. Let's put it that way. It might be a situation where you say, you know, as brilliant as people are at Harvard, I think that there's a lot of talent that's getting lost because people aren't leveraging and outsourcing. Or if you look at Harvard, for example, where I went, I had the opportunity to meet a lot of professors and look at the administration and how the technology is handled and there were tons of loopholes there. And I think that's true in a lot of universities and not just universities, but hospitals and organizations. So something like that, where you extrapolate from something very specific and you use that in the context of the service of your larger message. Does that make sense? Yeah, de definitely. I think it's really just about you know, finding that clever, you know, I, I guess I haven't, I just, I guess I need to sit down and think about the message and, you know, is there a, an, an interesting way to tell a story and wrap some of these highlights into it so that it, I, I still have these points in there, but it doesn't come off as braggy. Right. And, and, and absolutely. And to go back to the possibility of putting it in an introduction, sometimes you've seen people do this very masterfully. Joe Polish is great at this, where there's a very impressive introduction, but he also then shows a video of, of where he was when things were not so good in his life. So you can be self-deprecating. You have this introduction that puffs you way up, and then you come out and you're a little bit of the aw shucks kind of still confident, still owning the room, but a little aw shucks. And it's a nice juxtaposition for the audience. Makes sense. And what about the monotone part? That well, that is, that is really driven by a through line. I think for both of you, the, the, if you're excited about your material, if that through line is pointed outwards, meaning it's in service of others, and it's not about trying to sell or promote or be the best for the number one, but say, how can I really razz people up about leveraging and about outsourcing? Or how can I really connect with them and enliven them about this option that will improve their lives and businesses? When you come from that place, a lot of the monotone issues, the, the gestures will take care of themselves. I don't know you yet well enough you'll, yet. You'll, to, <laughs> you'll see my weird, uh, my weird nuances in a couple of months. Good. I can't wait. I can't wait. But I think in a lot of people, what happens and you know, anyone who does video knows this, you, you're, you're animated in life and then you get on video or in front of the camera and suddenly you shut down. And that's because really at the core of it, you're not allowing yourself to be who you really are, that authentic genius emerging. Because people then have to force their animations on camera and their gestures or their animations on stage. And ultimately, 
if it's coming from within, it'll happen naturally. It's like a kid who comes home and says, mom, I'm so excited. And they're completely animated. And that's the place you want to come back to. Makes perfect sense. So um, I want to be respectful of your time. So we like to end the podcast by asking, what are your top three pieces of advice to be more effective? In a presentation? However you want to interpret it. Ah, top three pieces of advice to be more effective. I'm going to take that in, in business and in life. Okay. Yeah. The first is to stop shaving off parts of who you are to fit into a mold. So by that, I mean, whether you're a mom or an executive or an internet marketer or an author of a particular topic like health or leadership, we tend to look to the left and the right and say, what are other people doing in that industry? Instead of saying, how can I do it in my own creative way? Tap into the full range of your talents. If you draw, if you photograph, if you like being physical on camera, if you like creating something distinct, do it in your own way. Instead of looking at best practices, start from within. So that's the first thing. Express your hidden genius in the way that only you can. Break the mold. Second is to keep the people that are closest to you in your life closest to you. Because we can't break the mold unless we have people around us who are supporting us to do that. So we need to keep the people around us that are closest to us close because we get caught up in work, we get caught up in our busyness, and we say, yeah, yeah, I love you, or oh yeah, I'll see my friends in two weekends, or I should call them. And that, when we come to the end of our lives, those are the things that we regret. So wake up in the morning, think about two to three people that you really want to connect with, that you want to show your love to, whether that's your family and friends or others, colleagues, and and make a point to do that. And the third step, I would just say, and this is true, and I can't believe I'm talking about this, is, 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 to, is to risk forward. And by that, it goes back to the first point that you don't have to have a clear goal. You don't have to have a clear plan. People always say, you know, what's your plan? What's your goal? Where do you want to be in three years? And as I say in the risk forward TED talk, it's okay not to know. To risk forward, to go a little bit off balance, heart open into the unknown, get people off your back who are saying, what's your plan? Where are you going? And just say, what interests me now? How can I do this in a creative fashion, even if I don't know where it's going to lead? So that's it. Rock the room, keep the people you love closest to you, and risk forward. I love those. Those are, those are definitely unique responses from questions that times we asked that before. So, Victoria, thank you. That was really, really wonderful. Um, everybody should go to rocktheroom.com to check out all the live events and training that Victoria has coming up because, as she pointed out, whether you're a new speaker or a veteran speaker, you have definitely some things that you can learn and gain from working with Victoria. So um, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a thrill to be with you guys. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week.